Welcome to the CHC School of Ministries podcast. We are one of Brisbane and Australia's leading Bible colleges. We combine a dedication to Christian truth with a passion for spirit life and a commitment to academic excellence. You'll be hearing from a variety of students, lecturers, pastors, and team here at SOM. We pray that these episodes inspire you, grow you, and help you to transform your world. Hi there, it's Pastor Andrew Staggs. Uh, I'm the Dean of the CHC School of Ministries. I'm here at our campus in Carindale, Brisbane, Australia, and I've got the privilege to have Pastor Craig Heelman with me, and he's in Auckland at the moment, also known as Dr. Craig Heelman. Craig, so good to have you on our little mini podcast today. Oh, Pastor Andrew, it's a real honor to be here with you. Thank you. Hey, we're, um, we've got some things coming up, but I don't know about you, Craig. Um, the world that we live in seems to have just gone a little bit crazy. Like now yeah. we have different versions of truth. Now we're not all that old, but like truth seems to be this tradable commodity. There's um, cancel yeah. culture out there. People seem angry. There's yeah. um, many different gender discussions going on. Society used to be like pro-Christianity, pro-the-church, yeah. then tolerant of the church, then neutral of the church, and some parts seem to be quite antagonistic. Is that only happening here in Brisbane, or what's going on in your part of the world? <laughs> I, wish it, I wish I could say it was only Brisbane. Alas, I think it's right across the Western world. And Pastor Andrew, there's a lot of reasons for that, but I think there is a core one. And it's a question that was in a book a long time ago, an older book now, uh, written by Francis Schaeffer. And he asks the question, can man live without God? Now, of course, to these days, we don't say man that way. We say, can men and women live without God? But the bottom line question, I think, is an important one. And I think the Bible touches on it. And the answer is we, we really can't. We can't be fully human unless we've come to know God. And um, so that why is there such craziness in the culture? It's because less and less people are actually living a life where they're in contact with God. They actually don't know God. And yeah. so to yeah. me, it opens up the whole question of the gospel and says, you know, our task as Christians is to get the gospel out in relevant and meaningful ways. One of the ways we do that is by living well, right? By living a yeah. good life. It's amazing. Simple language, I know, to say live a good life. I'm not just meaning, you know, being morally, you know, circumspect or whatever. You want to do that. But I mean a life that's attractive. It's winsome. I think it's beautiful. I think it's summed up by Jesus saying, blessed are they who. In other words, it's a message about happiness. And if Christians live joyfully and live the kind of happy lives that it's possible to lead as a human, according to those biblical principles, all of a sudden our Christianity becomes attractive in a world that's lost all sense of truth. It's completely lost. Yeah, it's almost like you've summarized one of the grand theological themes of the Bible is that God has a plan for us to have a flourishing life. Yeah. Uh, 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 and there's a life that we're meant to be living. So you and I talk about these issues often. So we're getting together in August and we're going to pull two days together with some teaching and some inspiration, some guests. Yeah. But I know we're going to be talking about uh, public theology, what's happening in the public square, how we can yeah. impact culture, uh, biblical and theological foundations for a winsome approach. Uh, when to be aggressive, when to go hard, when to be yeah. the hands and feet of Jesus. But it would, should give some great hope to people because I bet you there's some probably pastors out there thinking they're just punching bags for culture, aren't they, yep. <laughs> at the moment? Yep, we, we are. Yeah. And uh, 
And there's a, there's a good reason for that too, in the sense that the I mean the Western world has largely been a Christian world, and it's still uh, I suppose one of the great battles of the age in which we live is that our culture, our public culture, is not courageous enough to live the Christian life. There are just those people that go to church that want to do that. So we're not courageous enough to live the Christian life fully. On the other hand, we're not courageous enough to abandon it and replace it with something else. So our public culture is kind of messy. And Christians are at the crosshairs of that because ultimately the people that are really powerful in Western culture today have turned against God and Christianity. And they see the overcoming of Christianity as the kind of pathway to a better or more flourishing way of life for human beings. Mm. And so we are in the crosshairs. We're right at the epicenter of all the struggles. It's not the Islamic community that's going to be in the crosshairs in Western society. It is the Christian community. And that's largely because our public culture um, just doesn't know what to do with Christianity. And there's an element of which there's a rejection going on. It's almost becoming an anti-culture. Yeah. Now, one of the questions a pastor ought to have is, look, why is human sexuality at the forefront of all this? Well, the simple answer to that is is because Christians have always had a, a basically inherently pretty conservative sexual ethic. And in the name of liberation, that's the place Western elites have now turned to go, if we can break all the barriers there and overcome all that, then we can get away from this culture that we've had and find this new nirvana culture that we're looking for. I think as Christians, we know it's just not going to happen. Without the kingdom of God, uh, there cannot be human flourishing. Oh, I love your passion. Gee, we've gone real deep real quick. For those of you who don't know you, can you give us a quick overview of your experience in ministry, leadership, and just some of the highlights about your study? Because you sound yeah. intelligent but very practical. <laughs> well, um, I, <laughs> I love studying theology. I've loved uh, reading the Bible since I first became a believer. I became a believer at 16 myself. I knew I was lost. I didn't ever. Christian background, uh, but Jesus found me. I just felt a real need when I was about 16. I felt lost. And you know, then I prayed a prayer one day, and I think the Holy Spirit just formed this prayer in me. Lord, if you're real, show yourself to me. At that moment, mm. as uh, I discovered the person of Jesus, I just knew he was the truth. So I started to follow him. And as I followed him, I realized, actually, I'm called to be in ministry. So that, for me, led to periods of my life where I've gone away and studied and studied theology as far as doc doctoral level. And I studied at a place called Duke University, and there I specialized in theological ethics. So I thought a lot about you know, how do you live a flourishing life? How do you live that happy life that we talk about? Um, but practically the last uh, 13, 14 years, my wife and I um, uh, uh, passed for a church called The Upper Room. We founded that church. So we planted that church about 13, 14 years ago with a group of friends. We got together, uh, quite a number of us, and we said, right, let's make a Christianity that is public. Um, let's, let's found a church, and let's actually engage properly with our culture. And I want to encourage you, if I can, there's just one little thing that's happened, and it's only happened about two weeks ago. Uh, our staff team got pulled into a meeting right in the heart of Auckland where we live in a place called Newmarket. And the business community and the council and the police and various other public groups were basically turning to us saying, hey, we've got a crisis brewing with young people. You know, our church is right in the major shopping district of Auckland. We've got a crisis with young people. Uh, the shops there are losing about $250,000 a week to theft and crime and all the rest of it. And they've said, hey, is there any way the church can help? Now, we've been ministering in Newmarket for about you know 12 years now. It's taken us 12 years of public witness to get to the point where the culture's coming to us saying, yeah. hey, can you guys help us? And I hope that's an encouragement that every church, every church leader, we can get there. When we choose to engage positively in the public square, we can make a difference. And we're welcome. Yeah. yeah. I love how practical you are, how educated, 
and uh, just the measure of wisdom and the posture that you have of grace. It's great, Craig. What, what, can I ask, why are you so passionate about this area of impacting culture, public theology and, and ethics? I think the major one for me, Pastor Andrew, is I see the hurt as a pastor, and you would see this too, you see the hurt that people do to themselves when they don't live according to biblical wisdom, or they don't live according to biblical mm. principles. You see the broken relationships, you see the kids that get hurt. Uh, these days, you know, we've got kids that want to do all sorts of weird and wonderful things to their bodies in the name of, you know, somehow putting their life back together. And it's it's very painful to watch. And I think as a Christian, you can't help but have a missional heart for that culture to go, these are the people for whom Jesus came. Uh, Jesus loves all of these people. Those that don't know him, he loves them. And so you want to start from that premise of if we can present our faith in a meaningful way today, if we can tell that story well, and we have the Holy Spirit on our side breathing on the, the word and the witness. And to me, when we talk about public culture, we talk about ethics, all these things, what we're really talking about is the witness of the church. How we in our lives show who Jesus Christ really is. And that to me is like the number one thing we have to be as Christians. We are his witnesses. We're the hands and feet of Jesus on the ground, making a difference in people's lives. And if we can do that well, we can have a profound impact upon our culture, no matter where we are. It starts with just saying, I want to be a witness. I want to be useful to Jesus in this world. I want people to see what Jesus looks like, not what I look like, but who who would Jesus be? What would God be like based upon what our community looks like and what these lives look like? That's just something God has chosen to, to, he's chosen to use human beings as his witnesses. So we have this incredible yeah. privilege. And for me, that's where it starts. It starts with a recognition of the, the lack of flourishing. And then yeah. I go, but how can we, how can we show what a good flourishing life should look like? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is exciting. I know one of the um, grand theologies, or you know, you know, God talks, just another word for theology, is um, the Bible's got a, a blueprint for his church, for his people. And I think one, one study has identified 105 different metaphors for the church, like it's a family, yeah, right. it's a body, yeah. it's a community. But one of them is that it's meant to be a, a prophetic voice, yeah. um, God's voice, God's body um, on planet Earth. So yep. so how has that worked for you in Auckland then? Sometimes like you do radio stuff, stuff on TV. Mm-hmm. What, what does the prophetic voice for the church look like where we could be a clear sound, not a muffled sound, but a clear totally. sound yeah. that, that, um, that the, so that people can understand the mind and heart of God? You know, I think, Pastor Andrew, it starts with the courage question. And the Holy Spirit, you know, one of the things that we read about in the Bible, when the Holy Spirit comes on people, you know, for example, Dr. Luke in the book of Acts, he always uses this word, they had boldness. They spoke boldly. And as the courage side of the church finds its courage, when it realizes that the world is going astray and it's destroying people's lives, and all of a sudden the church says, actually, I could say something about that. Uh, You know, there's that wonderful verse in, uh, in Proverbs that says, speak up for those that cannot speak for themselves. Our society is full of victims. It's full of people who are being injured by the ways in which we do things, by the ways in which the world goes about power, or by the ways in which it goes about economics, or by the ways that it goes about politics. People get hurt and crushed sometimes under these systems, and the church can find a voice. But it's not just a spoken word. It's also being willing to lay your own life down for those that are suffering you know, on the underside of history. 
So both of those things together, I think, are um, a, a vital part of this. It's not just the words, it's the actions. And you know, this wonderful course that we're going to do in, in August, you know, for a couple of days as an intensive, we're going to talk a lot about that. We're going to talk about the practices of the Christian life. You know, It's not just yeah. what we say, but it's what we do. Our actions are just as prophetic as our words in that sense. And so the church that's prophetic really does have um, something it can do in the Western world today. For us, it started with simple actions. You know, as a church, we we set up a meal program. One of the reasons we've been invited into the public square a bit more now is that we started a meal program for uh, families that were coming to Auckland because they were in the Starship Hospital, the Children's Hospital. Now, so if your child has brain cancer, let's say, your family gets shipped from some province in, in New Zealand into Auckland. You don't know anybody. You have no family, no contacts, no support. All the support structures you have are, are back in your local community. So we became sort of the support structure. We started to do meals and we just give these meals to these families who are stuck usually in a hospice care or in a hotel somewhere or something like that. And we actually provide meals to those families and usually comes with a nice little tag and a prayer. And uh, they know that we're there supporting them uh, as they go through their suffering. So to me, that's the beginnings of the open door of how the church actually starts. And because when we talk about prophecy and prophetic witness, what we're really talking about is just building relationships with others at the point of their hurt and need. And to me, the prophetic church just wants to go there. It has a big enough love in its heart to want to see things change, to want to see lives bettered. Yeah, it's good. Well, we're going to gather some resources together. There'll be some teaching. Um, we've got links and we, you and I collect stuff. I, I was talking with a leader yesterday, even Evan. They said, oh, can you recommend a book? So here's one. I do this one here, The Dan- Daniel Dilemma by Chris Hodges. I love the byline, how to stand firm and love well in a culture of compromise. Now, you and yeah. I know that involves ethics and a chat about yeah. power structures, how leadership works, and there's yeah. different approaches of, of how we can interact with our culture. I know someone, because it's almost like we're building a mastermind network of resources sharing, a colleague of mine sent this to me, Late, late last night. It's a, it's a, a book review. There's some notes of a brand new book coming about about the gender revolution, um, right. a, a biblical, biological, and compassionate response. And even he's a helpful key for someone on, online today. Like chapter eight, it says this: um, If asked to introduce with your preferred pronouns, they <laughs> recommend the simplest thing to do is to politely decline. It is not a practice that I follow. Yeah, how, how helpful yeah. is that? So that's awesome. We're going to pool it. our resources together. Yeah, because our idea is we want to live skillfully, we want to yeah. live well, we want to live graciously and wise, while at yeah. the same time maintaining what we believe to be biblical truths with a capital T. Amen. Which Amen. has got our civilization so far yeah. not perfect, but no, but we're no. moving ahead. So if someone comes along to this. A two-day gathering with us. We've got some online, we've got on-campus options, and we've got um, a night encounter with a great young speaker who who's very skillful in communication, but also she's almost finished her doctoral studies. Now that's that's a power combo, isn't it, Craig? Like to be strong <laughs> in communication, to love God, to be strong Amen. in the power of Holy Spirit, but also yep. to be educated. That's that word and spirit working together. If they come to our two days. What sort of things do you think they could walk away with after think, two days think, with us? I think fundamentally, you know, um, we're going to get to the roots of Scripture about how Scripture describes yeah. the Christian life. 
Uh, and I think for me, it's always that turn toward the Sermon on the Mount, you know, the message of Jesus himself that if you want to lead a blessed life, you've got to live this way. And so those Beatitudes are kind of the doorway that opens the whole voice of Scripture about what it means to live Christianly. So I would, you know, I would say you're going to walk away from that um, feeling very inspired and empowered about how you're not only going to live a happy life, not only live a, a non-compromising life, you're actually going to start to enjoy the fruits of the kingdom of God now. You're going to enjoy the heavenly life actually in this world's existence because that's ultimately what Christian ethics offers us. So there's that question of happiness, I think. We're going to learn some stuff about that. The second one for me is talking about habits. We're going to learn some habits. So what are the habits of a successful life? What are the habits of a successful Christian life? So we're going to learn something about habits because habits ultimately are what guide our actions. If we want to live well, we have to have habits that have formed us well so that when we get confronted by situations, we just know what to do. I always think, you know, as a Christian, you, you, it's good to be educated, but you don't have to be the smartest person in the room, but you've got to have a good heart and you've got to have habits of yeah. following Christ and listening to his voice and knowing what the prompts of the Holy Spirit are. Uh, and, you know, the, the moral life is not a cookie cutter life because every situation we encounter and every troublesome question we encounter is different. But it, what does carry through is who we are as people. So I'm going to, hopefully, we're going to impart some of that, that yeah, we want you to grow into being the very greatest witness for Christ that you could be at the level of your own habits and the operation of your own life. Yeah. One thing I really enjoy is that you are the message. I, I love your life over decades, Craig, of discipline, of learning, gracious, got a great wife. I'm sure she speaks into, into your, into your life time. as well. <laughs> And then, and then our guy, like anyone in our world, we, we are building a, a network of like-minded people. And, and I think when we gather, we share the best of our ideas and there's going to be a new confidence that we can have. Our, our people, especially with leaders, they're looking for us to speak and they're looking for us to guide. Yeah. I know I developed a, mes- a message recently that, are, that did well in churches called How to Be Awake But Not Woke. Yeah, and, and then yeah, people say, "Oh, it. just thanks for giving me some language around that." And then, if we're confident, then we can move in that courageous and prophetic space that you were talking yeah. about. Always Amen. good. We're um, you're going to wing across the Tasman from Auckland That's to it. Bris Vegas. You're going to be with this live I in the can, flesh. I cannot wait. <laughs> yeah. And I've also heard you're going to rename you're going to rename Brisbane in a few years. It's not going to be Brisbane anymore. So <laughs> I've got to get in now before it changes. That is the latest agenda. <laughs> Our culture is crazy, but anyway, we'll, we'll have a call. Craig, always good to see you. Love to your family. Love the great family that you're building. Can't wait to see you here in the flesh in August. God bless you, mate. God bless, Pastor Andrew. Great to talk to you Thank again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CHC School of Ministries podcast. We have a lot of exciting things coming up at SOM this semester. So check out the description for ways that you can get involved, grow yourself and learn with us over the next few months.